Till I'm Tiptoed You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm Tiptoed You Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You, the podcast where I share with you all my musings about Black history, Black culture, and Black spirituality. Um, I want to give you some updates from the news, just some things that are on my mind. Um, I want to talk about defining success for oneself, and then I want to share with you some just end-of-the-year reflections um, and let's just jump right in. I was going to say something else right there, but nothing fits. So let's just jump right in. Okay, y'all. It's um, I, the news this week. I don't know. Maybe it's because I am an educator and those things um, appeal to me a little bit more than others. But the news is very education centric today. Uh, the first thing is we go back to Ohio. Lorraine, Ohio. There was a fourth grader. Now, listen. If you are a Gen X, black Gen Xer, we grew up hearing, you better eat that food. Some of us have unhealthy relationships with food now because of the ways we were made to eat things we didn't like, clean our plates, so on and so forth. I do think it's important for parents to introduce foods to student, to children and help children develop wide and sophisticated palates. I think it's important that we learn to eat healthful foods um but let me tell you what happened that (laughs) y'all oh my goodness so this fourth grader right was given some waffles at her school she didn't like them she threw them away and that should have been the end of that but a school worker now they're not saying the articles i read didn't say whether it was a paraprofessional whether it was a teacher whether it was a cafeteria worker who they just say a school worker saw what happened made the young lady take the waffles back out of the trash can and eat them in front of her classmates now Anybody who's ever been in a school calf, y'all know that's a nasty trash can. Even if the trash can was pristine clean, you're going to make this baby pull out something from the trash can. And then you're going to make her eat it in front of other students. Listen, let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all something. Any adult in that room that witnessed that and didn't stop it is just as guilty as the adult. The other students should have been cutting up. Because let me tell you, that is inhumane. And that baby going to suffer trauma for a long time. Behind some foolishness. Now, I, but, y'all, please help me understand. Now, the, young, the student was black. The school worker was not. Okay? Let me tell y'all. Uh, Ulysses S. Bias, which was the first black school superintendent in the state of Georgia, We got to hear him speak, excuse me, a while ago at Emory. And this is before he transitioned. Um, 
general, uh, the question was, was raised to him, you know, how did he feel like, did he feel like Brown versus Board of Education was a good decision? Did he regret integration, in other words? And he said, my fear is that now the fox is in charge of the hen house. Y'all, y'all, the fox is in charge of the hen house. That has to be an enemy of our people. That how, I don't even understand how you make a child. Like, even if this is, you got some animosity towards adults, then you need therapy. That's your own thing. But I don't understand how you do this to a child, a fourth grader, a fourth grader. Now, her mother has luckily filed a federal civil rights lawsuit. Um, but here's the thing, right? Mark Ballard, of the, he's the president of the school board, said that he wasn't aware of the case until the federal civil rights suit was filed. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe, I, I just don't believe that, that the mother would go directly to file a suit and not cut up at the school. I just don't understand that. And if she did, she got a whole lot more restraint than I would have. But I want to point out some things to you that relate to last week's episode. Listen, we have to... Y'all, I'm always going to be an advocate of public schools. Public schools largely are the creation of black thought. Most black students are in public schools. And for that reason, I will be a public school advocate until I can't anymore. All right? But at the same time, y'all... We got to have some alternative systems in place. Now, I want to say something about these alternative systems because it's it's been on my mind. And I just want to give this caveat because I want to be clear about something. Just because a place is a black school, meaning the demographics are predominantly black, doesn't mean it's a black school, meaning the ideology is black. Like Steve Perry, who I, I don't like at all. We can have a, episode, a whole episode on his foolishness. But Steve Perry was on Twitter the other day really pushing these charter schools because they tend to have more black teachers than public schools. Well, see, there are a couple of problems with the data he's using to make that argument. But beyond those problems, what did Mama Zora tell us about skin folk? Y'all listen, every black teacher ain't a black teacher. And so as we create these alternative systems to protect our, our young ones, we have to make sure that these people are not black and face only. You know, there are a lot of where I live. Most of the black private schools are predominantly parochial, you know, run by a church. Um, and I'm not seeing their strategies, their beliefs about, quote unquote, classroom management any of that is much different than the public schools. The curricula ain't that much different than public schools, except for it's got some Bible season, seasoning on it. You know what I mean? But ideologically, there's not much difference. That, to me, is not the fix that I'm talking about. Because I don't care if my child is abused by a black person or a white person. If they're abused, they're abused. I want quality educators. I do want black quality educators. But as we imagine, so that's just, just my warning there. As we imagine these alternative systems, don't jump out of the frying pan into the fryer. 
every black teacher ain't a black teacher. Every black school ain't a black school. I just wanted to, to issue that. But I find it horrible that Mark Ballard does not have his hands on what's happening. Because if a worker feels comfortable enough to make a child get food out of the garbage and eat it in front of other students, I doubt that that worker feels like there will be consequences for that behavior. And if that's the case, this may be evidence of a greater problem that that might exist. All right. So y'all pay attention to what's going on in Lorraine, Ohio. Uh, speaking of education, there's also something else going on around Twitter right now of these teachers. It looks like a hockey game to me with these teachers scrambling for money. They're on the ice, on their hands and knees and their, uh, you know, cash money in this little area. And they're scrambling against a clock and against each other to, to gather as much money as they need. Now, it's, I guess it was supposed to be entertainment during this game. Um, I'm sure whoever orchestrated it thought it was a good PR stunt to show that they're giving to, to teachers in classrooms. But let me say this here now, y'all. Uh, if an empire like the U.S., with as much capital as it has, who just passed this asininely large defense spending thing, has teachers scrappling over a few thousand dollars. There's a problem. There's a problem that teachers who are, I taught, I said it last week, who are among the lowest paid professional credentialed workforce in the United States are having to physically scramble for a few thousand dollars to get what they need for their classrooms. There's a bigger problem. And let me say what I think the bigger problem is. Let me, let me, I'm not going to nerd all the way out on you, but let me say something. Prior to Reconstruction, okay, schools were largely held and opened to moneyed white people, okay? They were the only ones who had access to education and to schooling. Now, after the Civil War, you have people advocating, particularly black folk in the South, advocating for um, state funds to be used to support education. This is the birth of public education in this country, where now everyone is entitled to an education, right? I submit to you today that the same people that never saw fit to have public schools available to all students are the same people today who don't see fit to have public schools for all students. Okay, there are people who aren't interested in your child having access to quality instruction. They're showing their faces a little bit more now, um, but be careful. I, I just want, y'all just be careful. And finally, speaking of education in the news, y'all saw our girl Meg graduate. <laughs> I'm so happy for that young lady. I don't know what to do. I am proud of her. Listen, y'all, you've heard me probably, if you li if you're on, if you follow me on Instagram, if you don't, why aren't you? Tiffany D PhD. But if you follow me on Instagram, you've heard me say on my lives that we can't allow 
university to be seen as job prep. That's not what it was originally designed to do. It's not what it's supposed to do. That's a neoliberal approach that's happening in education now. But that's not really what education was supposed to do. People who go to university are supposed to be your deep thinkers, your analytical folk, your soulful folk. Your people who use the content knowledge they acquire and the experiences that they have to become innovative problem solvers, solvers, not only for themselves, but for the society. That's what schooling, what education is really supposed to be in traditional African thought anyway. That is supposed to lend towards the solution to society's ills. It's supposed to elevate us. It's supposed to grow and enrich us. It's supposed to empower us. But now, you know, again, because of neoliberalism, capitalism, um, we're seeing education become a kind of just job prep. You know, you're just creating workers. Uh, I don't even know that we're doing a good job with that anymore, but that's neither here nor there. Here's why I'm so proud of Meg. Now, a lot of people go to school to make money. It is obvious she is a prime example that not everybody goes to school to make money. Some people go to school to acquire the knowledge necessary to do what it is they believe they were put here to do. And that's why I'm so proud of her. She is a model for for a kind of academic excellence. And I, I just... I just want to say congratulations to her. I want us to just celebrate her. I want us to give her her flowers. I just, I'm so proud. I'm so, so proud of Meg. Um, so that's the news. That's the news. I want to get to what I want to get to, which are my end of the year reflections. You know, we've been in COVID, uh, a while now. And I don't understand people who are using this post-pandemic rhetoric. You, I, it ain't over. Like what? I, Anyway, <laughs> put your mask on and please be vaccinated. But um, it's caused some of us to have decreased mobility. And I don't mean that in an ableist sense. I mean in a traveling sense, a gathering sense. I've not been able to travel as much as I like. Um, I don't really go out much. Um, you know, I do the necessity stuff. Every once in a while, I'll allow myself to go out for a lunch or a dinner, but I try to go on off hours when nobody else is there or the restaurant is not crowded. Um, I don't really shop for pleasure. You know, I'm home a whole lot more. And I think two things can happen when that, when we're we can get into a space where we're numbing ourselves with the other things. Let, let me let me start over there. I have found about myself. Y'all know I don't like to put it on anybody else. So let me take it. Take this on. I have found in the last couple of years that one of the things I do when I am uncomfortable with my internal dialogue is to go out to eat, to go shopping, to plan a weekend somewhere, to even do staycations, right? But I realize now that that's a distraction trying to, where I'm trying to divorce myself from feeling certain things. So this past year, 2021, now that we're about to enter 2022, 
I've deliberately, um, I'm in therapy. I am journaling a lot more. I am trying to spend a lot more time in solitude and in reflection. And I want to share some lessons that I have experienced this past year that may be helpful for you too. Here's number one. A lot of us are angry with ourselves and don't even know it. A lot of us are disappointed with ourselves and don't even know it. Um, And because of that anger and disappointment, we deny ourselves good things. So let me say something about that. Let me try to unpack it a, a bit. I have been... I, I want to use the word subconscious, but sometimes it, it crept into consciousness. So let's say kind of subconscious, right? Because largely I don't think about what I'm about to explain to you without deliberate reflection. But every once in a while, it'll creep up. So here's the thing. I did not imagine that at this age, my life would be what it is now. And I am disappointed in myself. See, you know, when you're growing up, you think that by age X, Y, Z, you'll have it all figured out. You'll be living the life of your dreams. You'll be making decisions on your, you're grown, right? All the way grown. Nobody telling you what to do. I resent the fact that I didn't make certain decisions that would make that possible. And because of that, I don't feel like my life is everything that it could be right now. To avoid feeling that, I realized now that I was numbing myself with other stuff. I was distracting myself with a to-do list. I was making myself busy, accepting extra tasks from other people because that freed me from having to think about the many ways I was disappointed in myself. And when you're disappointed and angry with yourself, What you tend to do is deny yourself pleasure. I realize that over the last five or six years, I've denied myself pleasure. The things that I enjoy doing, the places I enjoy going, uh, living the life of Riley, right? I just, I have not done it. I have not allowed myself to be in certain situations where blessings may find me. I have distanced myself from people I love and respect because I didn't feel like I deserved their love and respect. I've chosen situations where I was disrespected because there was a part of me that thought I deserved it. That's what I mean by I say it was largely subconscious. When I was making some of these decisions, I wasn't sitting out to hurt myself deliberately. But now that I'm being critically reflective, I see that's what I was doing. And I know where it comes from. Some of us have had some horrible things happen to us in life. And I don't have to go into detail because it almost doesn't matter what mine is. Right? But we all have some things that 
we blame ourselves for. We have to be careful that that blame is freed. Like, don't go into 2022 angry, disappointed with yourself. You got time to do some work. Now it, and it is work. You know, I used to think that therapy, largely because of how it is generally represented in, in, on, in pop culture. You know, you go into the office, you lay on the sofa, you just talk, right? And you leave, that was your appointment. When I tell you every Tuesday, I feel like I got hit by a bus. <laughs> therapy is work. This is, this is personal work. Uh, and I also want to say this about personal work and dating. I hear a lot of men saying that there are too many women with increasing standards. Uh, my standards are increased because of the amount of work I've put in. If I'm going to cry every Tuesday and boohoo and wallow in it for about two days before I'm good again, <laughs> then I need somebody who's willing to at least admit that they may need therapy. Right. You got to because it's work. You ain't just laying on somebody's sofa. And for anybody who's thinking about therapy, do it. It is the most liberating thing that has happened to me. I'm telling you, I'm learning myself. I am 48. And I am learning more about myself in the last year than I have probably known in those 48 years of living. I understand better why I do things that I do. I understand more deeply how I'm oriented in this world. And I'm doing a better job of relating to people I love and care about because I'm able to understand my perception of our interactions. So that that's reflection number one. I am so thankful for therapy. I am thankful to myself for putting in that work for myself. All right, so that's that's reflection number one. Reflection number two is, I, and I owe this to my friend Vincent. You may have heard me say this, but I was having a conversation with Vincent, and we were talking about sellouts, right, coons, uh, you know, black folk who perform for coins, cooning for coins, right? Um, and I said something, and, and he said something very insightful. He said, we all hoes, some of us just have a higher price than others. His point was, there is always a point where you're going to sacrifice some of your morals and values for a benefit, for an exchange. And I thought about a conversation that Brandon and I have had, an ongoing conversation over the years of every relationship is transactional. Like, it might not be cash, but you're exchanging something for something, right? In most relationships, I won't say all, but in most relationships. Um, and it's really made me thoughtful and reflective about relationships I've chosen to be in and whether or not I've allowed myself to be properly compensated within them. I'm going to say that again. If you believe the premise that all relationships are transactional, Right. The exchange is not necessarily money. The exchange may be sex. It may be time. It may be validation. It may be presentation. Like, you know, there's this new as I'm getting older and I have ambitious friends. There are people who make relationship decisions based on if I'm going to be this person at this church, I got to have a wife. OK, yeah, let's not act like that don't happen. 
So if I want to be, if, if I want this job at this university, I need to have a first lady. Okay, this these things are happening. So every relationship is transactional. It's not always ba- based on cash. It, like I said, it could be quality time. It may be somebody like me who is my one of my love languages is physical touch. So, you know, I want to be in relationship. That's how you maintain a relationship with me. You touch me. Like even my platonic friends, I need hugs and, you know, smacks on the cheek. And, you know, that's what I need. That's that's OK. Anyway, I think you understand what I'm saying. If, however, and this goes back to number one, if, however, we are still carrying anger, frustration, resentment about some things we've done and we feel a certain way about ourselves, we may not allow ourselves to be in situations where we're fairly compensated. Did you hear what I said? Like, are you choosing? Here's a, here's a reflective prompt. Am I choosing relationships that are paying me what I'm really worth? Or are they shorting me according to what I think I'm worth? Some of us don't believe we really deserve respect. And so we're in relationships where we ain't getting respect. Some of us don't believe that we're beautiful. Oh, I almost teared up then. Some of us have not fully embraced our beauty and our sexuality. And because of that, we may be in relationships where the other person does not appreciate our beauty and sexuality. We went into it because that's our comfort zone. It, until you do that self-work, it is slightly uncomfortable to be in a relationship where someone believes you're beautiful and you don't agree. That's uncomfortable. And you may subconsciously push them away because you're not ready to receive adequate compensation. Which leads me to number three. We got to see ourselves for who we are and not who we think we are. And if we don't have a healthy image of ourselves right now. Let's go back to number two of one. We got to do the work to get there. Some of us feel that we are unworthy of certain things. And that's not true. That's our trauma talking. That's our hurt talking. Which leads me to number four. Please go into 2022 forgiving yourself. Really forgiving yourself. I, I'm so thankful for my therapist, y'all. I am, Let me tell y'all about myself. Y'all know I'm a nerd and I like to live in my head. I got a big heart, but sometimes it scares me because I can be hurt. I have been really hurt because my heart is big. So it's more comfortable for me to intellectualize things, right? When you're talking to me, you got to be careful that it doesn't start to get too nerded out because then, you know, I'm trying to distance myself from how it's making me feel. Um, That's a side note for people who really know me, but, you know, whatever. But that may be true for you, too. Be careful. You know, I, I also learned my, that about myself. I am good at uh, pivoting. <laughs> I can pivot away from hurt 
really quickly. And you have to be careful because I'm a Scorpio. So if you hurt me, I can pivot away from that hurt into anger. Super quick. <laughs> so much so that I may not realize it's really anger and really hurt. Right. Okay. So I don't even remember where I was going. But you got to know yourself. You got to forgive yourself. You got to release yourself from... You may have made a mistake when you were 15, 16, 20, 25. You may have chosen the wrong partner at 28. You may have, you know, made a decision you wish you didn't make at 35. But guess what? It's okay. You're human. You weren't going to be perfect. You were never going to be perfect. Free yourself from the lie that perfection is a requirement for your goodness. It's not. You can be good and be imperfect. Listen, let me tell y'all something. Now, I'm not, I I ain't preaching right now, but I want you to listen. Because a lot of old people will say Jesus was the only perfect man that ever walked the earth. But I want to remind you that he doubted God for just a split second. On that cross, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, that's Okay. Just for a second, he lost faith. Just for a second. Perfection is not possible. It's not plausible. It don't make sense. Why you're seeking perfection. Understand that your mistakes are even divine. Ain't that what Ego Tripping told us? Yeah, go listen to the poem, Ego Tripping again. You're going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not good. It doesn't mean that you don't deserve. It doesn't mean that you won't heal. So that's really all I wanted to say today. I know, you know, it was a short one. Uh, As we're coming up on the end of the year, I am, like I said, I'm being reflective. Y'all know my birthday just passed. I got a lot of stuff on my mind. Um, You're going to see some changes in the podcast, on the website, in the services that I render Um, All that kind of good stuff. Because I am ready to receive my bounty. And I hope you are too. Make it a good one, y'all. Tell them to told you. Mm -hmm.